Well, welcome, everybody. Um, good morning, teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just loving this. So, um, you know, that song just got me again. You know, I, I you know, got my composure. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to uh, prepare myself and I get in the zone. And God, just got broken again. So I thank you, Hannah, and, and the rest for that. Um, my name is Kevin Jackson, and I have served here as an elder for several years at Windsor Road Christian Church. Um, and from time to time, our, our senior pastor, Randy, asks me to uh, do the message, and this is one of those days. Um, so, um, so I'm really excited about it. I'm anxious uh, to get started. Uh, but I want us to open in a word of prayer. So let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for we know that um, we are blessed to be in this place at this time. We know that we don't deserve all that you've given us. We know that we live in a broken world. And we suffer as members, as inhabitants of this world. But we also know that we don't suffer alone. And for that, we are thankful. Father, now as we prepare to step into your word, we pray, Lord, that we would have hearts and minds that are open to hear what you have for, this, for us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would use me, that although it's my voice, that it's your message. It's a message that I need to hear as much as anyone. So may your Holy Spirit move in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, well, um, those of you who have seen me before, you know that I'm going to use a clicker because that's my thing. I do that. Um, our message this morning is not about wisdom, um, but I will give you a word of wisdom. Uh, before I get started. So if you haven't worn a suit in a while, make sure that you try on the pants the night before, okay? <laughs> so I had to kind of take it easy on breakfast this morning because it was a little, didn't have that margin I was used to having. So, um, so that's a word of wisdom. Um, this morning, we're actually going to be talking about um, our identity in Christ, our identity in Christ. And this is one of those phrases or terms uh, that's kind of a church thing. Uh, we hear it in church, um, but it runs the risk of, of kind of moving past us without us fully appreciating what it really means. And so uh, this morning, we're going to explore, explore what it, our identity in Christ, what it means and its implications for us. Um, and... Uh, I have a public service announcement, and that public service announcement is that I'm actually going to reference some research. 
Uh, I know. Um, now, I say this, I'm just giving you the heads up because I, I didn't want to kind of get in, you know, full throttle here and then say something about research and people go, oh, what, what is this a TED talk? I mean, what's this guy doing? Um, so just giving you the heads up. Hopefully you'll bear with me. Um, and um, our, our passage we're going to focus on is in Galatians. Chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. Uh, I'm going to read this in the New International Version. I have the, um, the passage uh, up here for us to, to read along, want to read along with me. Um, so Paul is writing to the churches in the area of Galatia. And Paul writes, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So as we um, um, look at this passage, um, we're going to first look at uh, the first two verses of the passage. This is verses 26 and 27. Um, because these first two verses introduce this idea of having an identity in Christ. If we're believers, then we are granted this unique identity in Christ. Uh, Paul writes that we're sons of God through our faith in Christ and that we clothe ourselves in Christ. Um, so we should feel confident that we do have this identity in Christ. Um, but the question is, what does that mean? And so this is where um, I'm going to reach into research a little bit. Uh, because it turns out um, that there's a stream of literature in psychology that looks at something called social identity. Now, some of you know that I'm an, an accountant by training, and so you're probably going, what does this guy know about psychology anyway? But I'll have you know uh, that uh, that was my minor. I was a, a minor my, when I was in graduate school. My minor is in psychology. Um, and social identity uh, is very helpful for us in conceptualizing what it means to have identity. Uh, by definition, um, social identity refers to the manner in which we categorize ourselves based on characteristics we share with the particular group. So here's the picture. Um, let's say we have in front of us uh, a bucket. Uh, it turns out it's actually a pretty big bucket because inside that bucket are a group of people and that group of people share an identity, okay? We also have another bucket right next to it. Uh, we'll call the first bucket bucket A, and we'll call the second bucket bucket B. It's also a fairly big bucket, and that bucket also has people in it that share a certain characteristic. Our identity, the identity we embrace, is where we choose to put ourselves. What bucket are we going to put ourselves in? That determines the identity that we embrace. Does that make sense? All right. 
Now, there are three observations from this literature of social identity that I think are very helpful for us as we consider or explore our identity in Christ. The first is this, that we bear multiple identities, that each person, each one in this room, um, we bear multiple identities simultaneously. Uh, some have a specific identity that we embrace related to our race, right? So there's a, a race bucket, right? And, and we place ourselves in that bucket um, because we are embracing that characteristic that we share with the people in that bucket. Um, there's religion. That's another bucket. Politics, that's another identity, right? We all, well, not all, but many of us have a political identity, a professional identity, a vocation, right? So that's the first observation is that we bear multiple identities, each one of us. We're all carrying around all of these buckets, okay? Second observation, that these identities shape how we interpret the world around us, our environment, how we process information. You know, we have this lens through which we see the world and the identity that we embrace speaks to how we do that, right? So a common example, a common example would be uh, if you're watching a political debate, right? You're watching a political debate, um, which candidate wins the debate? Well, it's the candidate that you want to win the debate, right? Obviously, right? And so you, you're, you could be in a room with someone, uh, you have a political identity, someone else has a different political identity, you're watching the same debate, and you come up with two conclusions. Well, some of us would say, you know, and, and sometimes this is true, right? You, they go and they, after the debate, they meet with the camp of that candidate and they say, how'd your candidate do? And they say, oh, our candidate was right on. He tackled the tough issues. And, and we think to ourselves, ah, that's spin. They don't really believe that. Well, social, social identity says, actually, they do believe that. They've approached that same debate looking at it through a different lens, processing information through that lens, right? So we have these identities and these identities shape how we interpret the world around us, shapes how we process information. The third observation from, from this stream of research is that our identities compete for influence. So if we think about that debate, you know, I'm walking into that debate. I have an identity, a racial identity, a religious identity, a political identity, a gender identity, and all of these I'm bringing to that debate. But something's got to give, right? Some identity is going to win influence over how I interpret that debate, right? And it's this third observation that I think brings us back to our passage in Galatians, right? Um, because if we think about the context of where Paul is writing, uh, this passage falls in this place where um, Paul is trying to make a point. Many of us were here where Pastor Randy has talked about Acts. We've gone through the book of Acts. And what was common is that as Paul starts a church, well, what happens? Well, you have people who are steeped in the Jewish tradition that come back and say, well, if you want to be a follower of Christ, you first have to be Jewish, right? You first have to follow this Jewish tradition, this Jewish culture. 
And what Paul makes a point about in this, in chapter three, the early part of chapter three, is that don't do that. These people that are following you around, they're embracing their identity in the Jewish culture. And by embracing that identity in the Jewish culture, they're viewing the world and interpreting the world through the lens of the law. And Paul says, instead of that, you have a different identity. Your identity is in Christ. And because your identity is in Christ, when you look at the world and in process information, you're doing it through the lens of grace. So he's telling the readers, or the hearers of his letter, that you have this identity in Christ that is superior to that identity under Jewish tradition, okay? Um, so when we read the passage where Paul says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Paul's not saying that there's no literal difference between Jew or Greek or between male or female. What he's saying in context is that your identity in Christ should be the identity through which you see the world, process information. And while being Jew or Greek is real, that's not the identity that you should view the world through. It should be your identity in Christ. And while male or female, literally, that exists, that's real, but as we think about the lens through which we view the world, it's the lens of our identity in Christ through which we should see the world, not, not through the lens of male or female. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. So what do we learn so far then about our identity in Christ? Well, uh, one, as believers, uh, we have an identity in Christ, and praise God for that, um, that we do have an identity in Christ. Uh, number two, we have multiple competing identities, and that's just the way it is. That's how God made us, and that's not a problem either. But number three is kind of the real issue, right? This is the crux of the issue, is what identity reigns supreme, and it's our identity our identity in Christ that is to reign supreme. That is supposed to be the identity through which we view the world and our environment. But here's the big question. How do we do that? How do we evoke, how do we prioritize that identity in Christ? Because the world is throwing at us all of these messages and images that is telling us to pick an identity. Pick that identity. Pick this identity. Pick that identity. And so we have to figure out how we can place our identity in Christ above all other identities. Now there's a simple answer to how we evoke our identity in Christ, and that is the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit is necessary. That's kind of a necessary condition in, in science. That's what we say. Is that a sufficient condition or necessary? That's a necessary condition. But we help ourselves if we ourselves engage in disciplines that allow us to be more sensitive to what the Holy Spirit has for us. And these disciplines aren't unfamiliar to you. They involve reading scripture, prayer. You know, so each morning, um, well, let me rephrase that. A typical morning, right, because I don't do this perfectly. A typical morning, I will read my devotion and I will pray. And I will do that in the morning because what I'm trying to do is evoke my identity in Christ in the morning so that throughout the day, I'm viewing the world through my identity in Christ. Right? That's, that's what, I, that's what I, I try to do. Um, we connect with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so we have a, uh, my wife and I have been part of a small group for many years. We, we call it our life group. Uh, we've been through so much together. We've seen a lot of babies born in our, in our group. Um, and sometimes people give us the business a little bit saying, oh, you got this all-star small group with people who are doing all these things in the church. And, um, and I have to remind them that that's not where our small group started. When our small group started, uh, we went to church, but we weren't nearly as involved in serving in the church. Um, but connecting with my brothers and sisters and connecting not just socially, but connecting in Christ, right? Living out faith together, right? And challenging each other, confiding in each other. I'm looking at some of my small group members and getting emotional. Uh, we've been through a lot. Um, but in going through those things, it's given us this identity in Christ that we can fall back on, and it's given us that impetus, that prompting to serve. Uh, and serving, uh, right? Serving itself is a way to evoke our identity in Christ. And many of you who have been on mission trips, you get this immediately. Uh, because when you go on a mission trip um, and you start serving, you feel the Holy Spirit draw you to God, right? Prioritizing, making, gosh, making, magnifying your identity in Christ. Now, I'm, I'm sharing these things with you, and I'm sharing some of which uh, things that I do, but I, I, want, I don't want you to miss the point. It's not about what I do. Um, that's not why I'm telling you these things. I'm telling you these things is because if you want to evoke your identity in Christ, you have to be intentional about it. You have to have a plan. It doesn't just come to you. Satan won't let it just come to you. So you have to have a plan. And that's the point. All right. So, so this is the part of the sermon <laughs> when I practice, right? Because I do practice. Um, and I finished and I went, wow, that's all I really have to say. Um, don't get excited. So, as I, I thought about what I shared, 
in this idea about identities, there's some final thoughts that I thought are important. Uh, in some ways, just as important to what we've already discussed. And so we're about at the midway point, just to let you know. <laughs> right. uh, final thoughts. So the first final thought is, as we think about these identities, there's a risk. There's a risk that we, and I'll use the word conflate, our identities, conflate. Conflate means to bring things together that don't belong, right? And there's a risk that we, as believers, conflate our identity with Christ with other identities that we bear, right? There is a risk that as we look at our bucket, our identity in Christ's bucket, we take a look at our political identity bucket and we smush them together and we create something that was never meant to be. We change our identity in Christ to now represent something that we've concocted, that we've created. It's not of God. And the issue becomes that when we see people that share our identity in Christ, but don't share our political identity, then somehow they're not real brothers and sisters in Christ. Somehow we're keeping them out, right? Emotionally, psychologically, we're saying, ah, you're not really one of us. And that's something that we need to avoid. That's a real risk. And that, that's of Satan. Another example um, is uh, we, do, we, we run the risk of conflating our identity with Christ with our nationality, where it's great that we are, have an identity in Christ and that we have an identity as Americans. That's great. But sometimes we smush those buckets together, build our, a new bucket, don't even have a name for it, um, but we recognize it as being our identity in Christ, but it's not. It's something else that we've concocted, that we've created ourselves. And as a result, people who come from different countries, we see them and we acknowledge that they share our identity in Christ, but somehow they're less brother and less sister because they don't have this other thing. Again, that's of Satan. So the first final thought is we have to avoid conflating these, these identities that we have. They aren't meant to be, there's nothing that is meant to be merged, conflated with our identity in Christ. Okay? Uh, second, second final thought. Um, I thought it'd be helpful for me to kind of clarify the picture. And what I mean by that is um, often, and I'm kind of, a teacher by, by trade, um, and often in, in teaching you provide an illustration, you simplify things, right? You wanna simplify things, it's, it's easier to grasp. And I think I have simplified some things this morning. In particular, the picture of our identities being in buckets that are side by side, where we have 
uh, a bucket of our identity in Christ, identity, uh, our race identity, uh, our, our professional identity. Um, and that picture lends us to kind of thinking, okay, I can turn one identity on and turn a different identity off. And, um, and I think that the picture, and I'll, and I'll mention this, that I think that Paul is painting is a little different than that. Um, because when you go to work tomorrow, you should evoke your work identity, right? You shouldn't say, I can't stay late because I'm evoking my other identity, right? You know, I got my identity in Christ on, so boss man, you're just going to have to deal with it. No, we can't do that. I'm out, right? I see Michelle over there. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I got my identity. No. Um, but the picture that, that Paul seems to be painting is that we have these other identities that are side by side, but our identity in Christ bucket actually hovers above all of these other identities. So that when I evoke my work identity, my race identity, my political identity, it's all underneath my identity in Christ. That's the picture when Paul says that we are clothed in Christ, we clothe ourselves in Christ, that's the picture I think he's showing, that we cover these other identities with our identity in Christ, okay? So that's the, the second uh, final thought. Uh, the third final thought is that embracing our identity in Christ allows others to see Christ in us, right? So there's a point to this. It's not just so that we can uh, check the box as, as, having, uh, as embracing our identity in Christ. There's purpose to it. As I embrace my identity in Christ, I see the world through the lens of Christ, and I respond to what I see. I respond in a way that aligns with how Christ would respond. And when others observe that, they get a glimpse at Christ through us, right? When we embrace our identity of Christ, it allows others to see Christ through us. Okay, so I've gone through my final thoughts. And sure enough, I still have a little bit of time left. So now I'm going to give you my real final thought, okay? <laughs> So here's my real final thought. My real final thought is that we, having this conversation, exploring our identities in Christ, we need to be wary that we don't lose sight of the very fundamental thing associated with our identity. And that is, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about a God who sent his only son to die on a cross, be buried and resurrected so that we might have an identity with Christ. That's fundamentally what it's about. And the reason why it, it has to be about that is because if you look at all these other identities that we have, all these buckets that we carry around with us, they all have one thing in common, sin. They all have sin. They're all pervaded by sin. 
right? And I say that as someone who doesn't like to admit that. But when I'm in my best, better moments, I understand, I understand that I am flawed and that I am lost. And part of why we avoid embracing our identity in Christ is because we don't fully grasp what Jesus did for us. We don't fully grasp it. And the reason why we don't fully grasp it is because we don't fully understand the extent of offense that we have against God. We don't realize our own sin. We don't realize how bad we are. And I, I know this is not great news, uh, but this is biblical. This is the Bible, that we were lost in our own sin, and God, who is rich in mercy, sent his only son that we could be free from our sin and have an identity with him. Now that's my real final thought. Let's pray.